This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Wirth explains the teachings and beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses. Are they Christian or a cult? Well, let's find out. Father Joshua Wirth is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. And as we get ready to welcome Father Joshua in, we are going to go ahead and let him lead us in a prayer for an increase in faith. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. This is prayer for increase in faith by Mother Angelica. Lord Jesus, increase my faith. I want so much to have the kind of faith that moves mountains. I want to believe with such intensity that only a thin veil separates me from seeing you face to face. I want to see the Father's will and providence in everything that happens. You had such a serene confidence in the Father's guiding hand as it manifested his will in the circumstances of life. Give me that gift, Lord and Master, that I too may have the joy of beholding the divine presence in everything that happens to me. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Father and Son, and Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. All right. Um, for those of you who are joining us, uh, this is uh, we're on with uh, Father Joshua Worth. Um, he's a native of Ellis County, um, as Antonino is his hometown. And Shen- that's Shenzhen. Oh, Shenzhen is your hometown. Yeah. All right. I'd well, get in big trouble if I don't. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, so Shinshin is his hometown, and uh, this is where his father uh, continues to reside. So uh, Father Joshua was ordained a priest in 2009. Um, he has served in five parishes before his current assignment as the pastor of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Norton and St. Joseph Parish in New Almelo. He has served as the chaplain in Ellsworth Prison and currently serves at Norton Correctional Facility. And to just to add another thing to his list, he was very instrumental in helping Divine Mercy Radio get off the ground and wrote the station's mission statement. So that is pretty awesome. As we get ready to um, get to a talk with him, he's going to be talking with us um, about um, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Christian or Cult. Um, so that's quite the title there. And so yeah. we'll have him uh, come in here and uh, let us know, uh, maybe impart some wisdom on us and help us to learn more about that. Father Joshua, man, you're going to, I guarantee you're going to learn me something. Yeah, well, <laughs> Because good. there's a lot that I don't know about yeah. the Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you want to start our conversation here? I think, it, um, you know, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are up there with Mormons with the visibility of, of they often show up at our doorstep. In fact, that's one of the uh, service requirements of Jehovah's Witnesses is to to go uh, door to door and give out tracts of uh, information about their about their religion, and um, people uh, they they have a high emphasis on scripture. Um, so a lot of people think that it's it's more of a Protestant religion that you know started at uh, the time of the Protestant uh, breakaway and and Martin Luther, but um, really it's from around the 1870s. So the founder, I'll keep his name a secret for a while, but his founder, uh, he, he was raised uh, Presbyterian, and um, his parents preached a lot about hell, and, he, and a lot of graphic uh, uh, imagery about hell and the fires of hell. And, uh, and he decided uh, that wasn't really attractive to him, so he was going to pick up the Bible. He was going to start this little group, a Bible study group. And they're pretty much going to throw everything out that they had learned as a kid. I was just, let's just look at the Bible, fresh, new, without any of the baggage of the past, and let's see what we come up with. And, of course, one of his problems was hell. First thing that he threw out was, I don't see a, a, a hell here right? that we have to worry about. So Jehovah's Witnesses uh, don't believe in a hell as we understand it. They believe that um, people that aren't resurrected – that they believe that they just uh, kind of go into a sleep or they stop existing. So everybody, right. th- they don't believe in immortality of the soul. They believe that um, the person dies and uh, there's no spirit that lives beyond the body. And so uh, the soul dies with the body and then they're, and they're not aware of anything. They don't know of anything. 
But then at the end of time, if Jesus wishes, he may resurrect them. And so they're trying to get into that group that is going to be resurrected. But if you don't make it in that group, uh, I guess part of the attraction of Jehovah Witnesses is you don't make it out in the group, you just cease to exist, basically. So there's no, there's no punishment, there's no hell, there's no consequences for your actions, and um, which, of course, is against uh, Catholic faith because we believe that uh, because Jesus created us, since God created us, and he loves us, he can never destroy anything that he, he loves. Right? And so even the, the devil and the demons, you know, the fallen angels, he'll never destroy them because as much as they might prefer that, he'll never destroy that because how can he destroy something that he loves, that he created to be good, and they might have not followed him, but still, he, can, he just can't get himself to destroy something he created, something he loves. So um, I think part of, part of why this whole uh, religion was started was, was so that they can, uh, anybody that kind of had that fear of hell and maybe grew up with too much emphasis on hell and their religious upbringing and not enough on God's love and mercy and, and heaven with God that um, they might find some attraction here that they, if they fail, if they fall away, it doesn't matter. You, you just would cease to exist when you died. Okay, wow. All right, we are talking with Father, Father Joshua Worth about Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian occult. What can we know about them? Um, and already um, something comes to my mind that um, with you saying their belief on the afterlife, it's almost like a mix between um, like atheism and annihilism, or, you know, because yeah. if you, I, you know, atheists, when you die, you cease to exist. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Annihilists are, well, um, if you did something bad or, you know, you didn't make the cut or whatever, then God just annihilates your soul and it's like you never lived before. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that seems to be kind of an odd mix of what's going yeah. on. And and I'm always asking, what, you know, what tension does it really, why would that be attractive idea? And again, um, you know, for atheists, it's attractive because it's, it's uh, I don't have to be judged and I'm not going to get a punishment or reward, you know, and so I only have to yeah. worry about what makes me happy, right? And so uh, that gets rid of the tension of I might be held responsible eternally for my actions here on earth, and that creates a holy fear. It should create a a healthy fear in us. It's like, okay, I need to to improve my life so I'm pleasing to the Lord and bear good fruit for him. Um, But if you're worried about that, you can say, well, it just it just all passes away. So, yeah, his, his I think was uh, majorly just trying to get rid of that. And you know, he was only 18 years old when he started this this Bible study group. He had, he didn't have he didn't graduate high school. Even when they taught Bible back in high school, he didn't have he didn't even graduate from high school. And so he had no education or training about how to interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. And so basically, it was a lot of just self projection in into the scriptures. Uh, you know. And that's a, another important reason why we need we need the church's authority because only so much can be written down in the scriptures. You know, as, as yeah. uh, the end of the gospel says, one of the gospels, you know, if everything that Jesus did was written down, the, you know, all <laughs> yeah. the world wouldn't contain all the books that it would be needed for that. And so you need some basis from tradition to say, okay, now with this tradition from the apostles, how do I read? Yeah. How do I read scripture? Because uh, in you know, in asking the question, they'll say that they are Christian, that they follow Jesus, but when you uh, dig down deeper, they say that um, they fall into what's known as kind of the Arian heresy that church combated a long time ago, uh, early in the 300s, I believe, uh, uh, after Jesus, and that is that Jesus isn't God. That um, so that when reading the scriptures, uh, Charles Taze Russell, he decided or he interpreted that uh, Jesus uh, wasn't always Jesus. He was first created as St. Michael, the archangel in heaven, as a spirit, as an angel, and then um, became, took on, gave up his angelic form, became a human form, 
and lived as as Jesus here on earth. And then when Jesus ascended, he gave up the the human form and now is an angel again. So back to being St. Michael the Archangel. And so fails the first test of asking a question, uh, is this a Christian religion? They might say Christ, they might say Jesus, but any Christian religion uh, you know, would have to believe that Jesus is the Lord, that he yeah. is God. And they uh, they drop basically the whole idea of the Trinity, which I admit is a very difficult concept to wrap your brain around. Sure. But that, to me, proves we didn't make this up. You know, like <laughs> the church, you know, somebody wasn't just sitting around one day and saying, you know, uh, yeah, maybe there's one God above all the gods. But maybe it's three persons with one divine nature, right? Like nobody. Let's make this confusing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody can, by human reason, get to that point. It has to be yeah. revealed, which which proves to me that it 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 isn't of human invention. It is of of God's revelation and His truth. And you can see where somebody that's just picking up the Bible, if you don't have that tradition from the apostles, and you're just reading it. Trying to use your human reason to say, okay, can I find the Trinity in here? You can find a lot of things of your own interpretation, but unless you have the apostles guiding you yeah. and the tradition of apostles guiding you, it's very hard to put together the idea of, of the Trinity, which is yeah. a divine idea. It's not a human idea. So, um, so they quickly dropped away from the Trinity, quickly dropped away from, from um, believing that Jesus is God. And instead believes he's he's Saint Michael the Archangel. So even when they're saying Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we're preaching Jesus, they they just think he's uh, a great teacher uh, of the truth of Jehovah. And um, a lot of people ask, you know, where did they get that name for Jehovah? They basically it was a bad translation of the name Yahweh in in the in the Hebrew that didn't have any consonants. Didn't have any spaces, so you didn't want to know where to put a, uh, you know, the consonants in, and um, and so they took another word, Adonai, and they used that, and they kind of combined the words together, and a Y could easily turn into a J, and uh, a W, a, a V. So they, so they, what's supposed to be Yahweh, they turned into Jehovah as as the name of God the Father, um, but they don't believe that Jehovah is of the same divine nature as Jesus. Or the same divine nature as as the Holy Spirit. Um, they just when they say the Holy Spirit, they're just saying that power of Jehovah. You know, He sends out His mm-hmm. power. His Spirit is basically the same thing. They don't see it as divine person as we do when we're stu- uh, as with the apostles as our guide, with the church as our guide. We can look into the scriptures and see the three distinct persons with one divine nature that we call the Trinity. Yeah, I've always been uh, interested in that. I, I did know that little bit of background on their uh, on their name, and I've always kind of been like that was one of the things too that I thought was just kind of a blaring red siren or something, you know, that like well the, their very name is based off of a wrong translation. Yeah, you know, there are some things that you could obviously, you know, um, not everything translates over exactly and stuff like that. But no, this was just a very blatant like, mm-hmm. oops, somebody should have done their homework better. Yeah, you know, and so so there's no, nothing. I guess sinful. I mean, we don't. I don't go around saying Yahweh a whole lot. You know? No, we're supposed to. We're we still try to have kind of respect for the holy name of G, of God that was revealed to to, to Moses and and um, so we try to uh, you know just refer to the name that's above all other names, Jesus, and then Jesus called God his Father, so we call. Yeah. God the Father, and then he referred to he's going to send the Spirit, so we call him the Holy Spirit. So we just use the names that's been revealed to us, and yeah. that was used, that was revealed to the Jews, and they had such respect for it, they just would never even mention it. Yeah, And maybe once a year, the high priest would in the Holy Holies, and, and nobody was around, so that's why there was a little confusion about how exactly do you pronounce it, because <laughs> they would, if they did write it down, they didn't write down the whole thing. And yep. then if they did uh, say it, they would replace it with another word so that they wouldn't accidentally take the Lord's name in vain. That uh-huh. was their fear, which um, we probably need some more uh, 
uh, of those ideas where it's like, let's, there's the commandment, but let's also build a fence around the commandment. So we uh-huh. never even get close to breaking it. But thankfully, Jesus gave us his name so that we can praise him and sing songs about him and yeah. not use his name as a cuss word. We don't, we don't want to do that. But, but uh, he's given us uh, that holy name of Jesus to, to help encourage people and, and give him praise and glory. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we want to get back to uh, Father Joshua Worth and uh, talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, uh, do we have common ground here? Do we not have common ground? Where does our faith come from? And all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. where should we go from here, Father? Well, I like to look at, um, if we're asking if something is Christian or not, I like to look at uh, the four four ways that Christ is present, right? And so he's told us a couple different ways that he's present, where uh, two or, or three uh, baptized are together, then he's present. Um, the Holy Scriptures, uh, he's present. He's present in the priesthood, so the apostolic tradition, and then he's most uh, fully present in, in the Eucharist. So there are, um, there are churches, we would call them, still call them churches, that are not in, in union with the Holy Father, but because they have all four of those uh, marks of the presence of Christ, say like the Eastern churches, they have baptism. So where two or three of the baptized are gathered, then Jesus is there. They have, uh, they have the scriptures. They have holy orders from the apostles, from the time of the apostles. And they have uh, Eucharist. So even though they're not in union with the, with the Holy Father, we would call them a proper church. They have all the ways that... Christ is is present. They're just lacking that union with uh, with the head of the church. Um, we can't say the same about our Protestant brothers and sisters that they're a complete church. Um, our Rome has said this before. Vatican said this before. We can call them maybe a ecclesial assembly or ecclesial communion because they have uh, they have baptism, you know. So our Protestant brothers and sisters have baptism. They have the scriptures. They're missing some some books in the Old Testament, but so they don't have the fullness of, of God's uh, scriptures. But they they haven't changed what they do have. All right, um, they haven't translated in a way that would take away from the message of the gospel. Uh, they just don't have holy orders, and they don't have the Eucharist. Um, even those that claim, like maybe an Anglican Church. When they broke away, they changed the nature of their ordination rights to not be a sacrificial priesthood anymore. And so if it's not a sacrificial priesthood, then they don't have the sacrifice of the yeah. Eucharist. So, so they have baptism. They have the scriptures. So when they get together, we can call that ecclesial communion. Basically, they're having a, a Bible study. You know, mm-hmm. They have the scriptures, they have the, but they don't have apostolic orders and stuff. So I was looking at that, that with, um, with uh, Jehovah Witnesses. And unfortunately, they don't have baptism. They don't yeah. believe in the baptism. They don't. Uh, they have a baptism in their maybe once a year, or one of their annual things. Pe- new people can be baptized, but they just see it as an outward sign. They don't. They don't think it does anything. They just think it's an outward sign that you you're giving your life over to Jehovah. And then they don't use the ritual words of "I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit." And even if they did, maybe I'm mistaken, maybe some places do, but even if they did, uh, because they don't believe the Holy Spirit is God and, plus, and they don't believe that the Son is God, then they would just, uh, they'd be, they're not, bap- they're not intending to do what the Christians have done since the very beginning, right? They're, yeah. they're changing the intention of it. And so um, then they can't have yeah. an effect. Then they then they don't have they don't have baptism. So that so not only of course they don't have the Eucharist. Of course they they do have something called the Lord's Supper maybe once a year, but that's a very interesting to, thing too, where they have some bread and wine and they pass it around. And only if you're really good, do you and you think that maybe you're part of the 144,000 that are going to be living with Jesus uh, in heaven. They think that only 144,000 are going to live with Jesus in heaven. The rest are going to live on paradise on earth. But only if you think you're going to be in that that closed circle, that small group, then you can receive. So a lot of times they just pass around and nobody picks it up. <laughs> they, used to, they used to think that it was closed, that the 144,000 was full. But I just, I just read recently that 2007, 
They said maybe they got the number wrong. Maybe some people dropped out and stuff, but it's not nearly as. And then so people started picking up the uh, the bread and the, and the wine again at their Lord's Supper. Um, but uh, uh, they've come out warnings like too many people are picking up. There's no way there's that many people <laughs> that we're, we know. Maybe some people aren't in there that we thought were in there, but uh, not this many. You know, so. So my uh, question kind of yeah. begs then, um, because I, I was thinking about this and kind of even said it earlier when we were talking, you know, you answered a little bit of it, but maybe you can clear up confusion. One, I, I don't know what I would see the draw for wanting to call other people to the mm-hmm. faith if I thought they were going to take my spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but two, I didn't realize, I guess, that they believe that, well, if you don't make that spot, you still get to live in perfect happiness just here on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. Can you help me flesh that out a little bit? Is there more to it that I need to know? Or yeah, I don't, I, I don't see that as a draw either. I mean, paradise on earth, I guess, is pretty good, but still, not to live, you know, to pretty much be assured that you're you're not good enough to be in the hundred forty four thousand would be a little insulting to me. <laughs> to you know, just live with Jesus, but I guess still the, the to just. Uh, you know that you don't have to worry about hell. I guess would I guess. still still be okay. I don't get to be with Jesus, yeah. but I'm also not burning in hell if I mess up. You know, and I didn't uh, yeah. I didn't do that. You know, where especially the people that grew up an idea held that God is just just waiting for you to make the smallest mistake. Oh, yeah. and I'm just gonna send squash you. you. Yeah, just squash you. And people that grew up with that, um, it could still be a big relief to be on paradise yeah, on earth. True. You know. So, if they don't have that that sword of Damocles hanging over their head, you know, uh-huh. that, just any second God's going to come down and crush me. So, so no, okay. they don't have the Eucharist. They don't have holy orders. They don't have baptism. And I found out something interesting about the scriptures that they have. If we got, if we're ready to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, they uh, retranslated the the Bible. In what they call the New World uh, Bible Translation, and um, this is like around the 1950s or yeah, something like that, 1960s. So they have their own Bible translation, okay. And um, the problem is there's some there's some key words in there. Maybe it's hard to get to Trinity, but it's it's hard to read the Gospels and not get. Jesus is God. Okay, uh-huh. that's really tough. Especially John. Especially John. <laughs> especially difficult. the first chapter, first <laughs> verse first. of John. Yeah, it's very difficult to to say it's not saying Jesus is God because it says you know yeah. in the beginning was a word, and and the word was with God and the word was, was God. God. Yeah, right? and so that's really hard to get around, and um, so they. Uh, decided to translate the Bible. It's not. It's not quite sure how many people were on there. Um, who translated? It. They kind of keep that a, a secret. Um, but then it started coming out in some of their literature that they were using. Uh, they were using, or they came up with the same translation that another guy had come up with, named uh, Johannes, Johannes Grieber. And that, see, look, he came up with it. Basically, they changed it from, the, you know, uh, the word was God. They changed it, changed it to the word was a God, okay, and lowercase g. Mm-hmm. So basically, he was given, that Jesus was given divine power, but it wasn't divine, right? And then that divine power was retracted when he, when he left this earth, and he became an angel again. So they uh, struggled with that. So they found this. And they started saying, look, we're not the only ones that came up with this. We also, this other guy, Johannes Grieber, also came up with this translation. And he came up with it, and we came up with it. So we're not, we're not the only ones out there say, saying this is the translation of this, right? And, um, and they also use different aspects of, of Johannes Grieber's uh, translation. Problem is, and this is where you find out where... Uh, where do a lot of heresies come from? Where do a lot of uh, uh, difficulties come from? Bad Catholics, okay? <laughs> so Johannes Grieber was a, a Catholic priest for most of his life. Uh, he was born in uh, 1900, and at 48 years old, so he'd probably been, 
ordained when he was in his early uh, or middle 20s, and then when he's 48 years old, he goes to a seance for some reason or another. So he went to a seance to commune with the spirits, which is, of course, forbidden to do occult activity where uh, demons usually uh, um, lead people astray. And he decided this is the source of truth, not the church. So he left the Catholic priesthood. He um, left the Catholic faith. He got married. And there's some reports that he married uh, a woman who called herself a medium, who was able to contact spirits, which we know as demons, that he was never a medium himself, but that he he worked with his wife and other spiritualists to talk to. So he translated the Bible himself. He was like, this can't be right. I think the church is hiding something from me. I don't think. And so he translated the Bible using his wife, using other sp- spiritualists, to whenever he got to a problem situation, I you know I just can't wrap my head around this idea that Jesus is God, that he can be both fully human and fully man, or fully human and fully God. So that really bothers me. Let's ask the spirits how we should translate mm-hmm. this this passage. And so they communed with the spirits, and the spirits said, "No, he's he's an instrument of God's power, but he's not." He's not so he's a god he's got divine power temporarily but he's not god himself right so he translated uh this new testament in a way that took out all of the divinity of Christ and now whether they used that to help them translate or they just thought this was uh, a good reference point to see if we're getting things right when we translate because they had the same idea that Jesus wasn't God, and here's a translation that helps us kind of tweak things and how we want it to be. And so um, their new New World translation is not not a uh, one not an accurate translation uh, from from the Greek and Hebrew into into English. But not only that, it looks like it might have demonic ties as well. Wow. Where where um, they were referencing this ex-priest and his medium wife his, that was into witchcraft or, or seances, that um, they were referencing his translation in order to support their translation. Okay, So you take that into account, don't have Eucharist, don't have, don't have uh, holy orders, don't have baptism. Yeah. Can we at least say that we're, we're celebrating the scriptures? No. Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, no, because they um, are using translations to strip Jesus uh, the good news of the, of the goodness that that uh, God took on human form to save us from our sins. So, um, so they don't they don't even have the scriptures that we can rely yeah. on. In fact, if they come to your door and they say, "Look here, look at the scriptures here," you have to get out your own Bible and compare it to what they're showing mm-hmm. you because there's not just that that verse, but many verses where they they change the translation to strip God of it, uh, Jesus of His power and divinity, and so uh, unfortunately, that most I can uh, come up to is that they are somebody that has like respect for Jesus' name, mm-hmm. and so they're more closer to say the Muslims than they are uh, you know Methodists, right? Mm, yeah. So Muslims have respect for they you know say Jesus is a prophet. But they don't say they say he's not God. Yeah. And the same way, Jehovah Witnesses have great respect for for Jesus, but since they don't consider him uh, part of the Trinity, and they stripped him of his divinity, and they don't don't have the scriptures, they don't have baptism, then there's no there's no uh, presence of Christ in in any of their their teachings or their their belief systems. So, unfortunately, um, they would be what we call. If we if we're talking with them, we're discussing with them. It wouldn't be interfaith like it would a yeah. separated brother and sister that still had baptism, you know, Protestant that still have the scriptures un un uh, you know misinterpreted. Yeah, 
And um, we would say that's interfaith with the Protestants, but with Jehovah's Witnesses, we would have to say it's interreligious. They're, they're a whole other religion yeah. that doesn't even have Christ uh, as the head of that. Wow. That, that makes a whole lot of sense now and, and <laughs> definitely gives me yeah. um, a whole lot more uh, Yeah, there's nothing to, there's nothing to worry about if they come talk to you, all right, you're not going to get any demons or anything like that. I don't want anybody, <laughs> I don't want anybody to be afraid that somehow they get infected or anything like that, but... <laughs> Um, you can use, you can have the new New World uh, Jehovah Witnesses Bible translation for references purposes, but do not use it as a devotional yeah. to get your your scripture from, because as yeah. I said, it it's got very shaky, possibly even demonic uh, sources or references that it's using to translate them. Okay, wow. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian or cult. With Father Joshua Worth, we'll be right back. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian or Cult? Father Joshua Wirth. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. We are talking with Father Joshua Wirth about Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, we are going to get back into that conversation. Just learned a little bit about um, where they get their scriptures from and that it's uh, not definitely not the same thing as ours, mm-hmm. um, and uh, how... Uh, you know how it is not matching up to the Christian faith. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I want to learn some more here. So I want to get back to Father um, yeah. and see where you can take us on our journey. So that would answer. You know, is it? it could we call it a Christian religion? I would have to say no. no. We, we would have to uh, say it's some some uh, religion that really highly um, has a monotheistic idea and really highly elevates the name of Jesus and His ministry here on earth. But uh, Christian religion, no, it would it would be a, a non-Christian religion because it'd be separated from all those aspects of Christ's presence uh, available to us in the Catholic faith. I do have to say that helped me a lot when you said uh, it makes a lot more sense to me now, though, to compare them to Muslims. Obviously, yeah. not in all of their thoughts, right? But that helps me to get it, right? Because I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand. Yeah, yeah the elevation as Jesus as a prophet or something like that. You know how mm-hmm. they would, but yeah, not the same divine nature as Father. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, so then the question is, like, would we put that ugly term of cult on there? And that one gets a little bit um, difficult because everybody has a different definition of cult. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the aspects I always look for in a cult is, uh, you know, especially kind of um, uh, doomsday prophecy and, and things of that nature. And right away at its beginning, Charles Taze Russell, um, he was really into trying to predict the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Jesus would come back when he would judge, when he would, you know, what they called the tribulation, what they called the um, the uh, Babylon fallen, where all the re- world religions except for Jehovah's Witnesses are going to um, be exposed as frauds and, and they're all going to f- be destroyed except for Jehovah's Witnesses. And, and so, and I, I'm always fascinated by that, why that pulls people in. And I think it's partly yeah. pride, trying to be a little bit of Gnosticism, like mm-hmm. you're in the we're know, the and nobody else knows. Mm-hmm. And we always want to think that we're the last generation. I don't know, you know, everybody has had yeah. some kind of like, what if we're the last ones, right? And there, there's kind of a superiority about that, that, and that everybody's going to see it. It's like we'll be the ones safe and everybody else is going to be tortured by the tribulation yeah. and things like that. And it's like, well, you should have done this. You should have, you know, should have listened to me while you had the chance. We always want to be knowing the ark and see every, oh, all, yeah. our, all of our enemies, you know, out in the flood kind of waving our finger at them, you know. Um, so he, he predicted, um, I think right away he predicted the end of the world. And that didn't, and that didn't happen. Then he had a big, he's like, oh, well, there's been new, some new light. And so 1914 was the next big time that the world was supposed to end. And um, that didn't come about, of course. And then you had people break off and start their own 
religions or just go into non-belief. And uh, they, um, well, there's some new light. It was really just invisible Jesus came. His invisible reign has started now. But um, there, and then there was uh, 1925. So at this time, uh, Charles Taze Russell had died. And, and there was some division about who would take over. Mostly it was all in uh, the name of a, a man named Joseph Franklin Rutherford. He was also known as Judge. I don't think he was ever actual judge, but Judge Rutherford. And um, he picked a day, the year 1925, right? And that was going to be the year that all the patriarchs of the Old Testament are going to be resurrected. And they're all going to come to live with him in California. <laughs> And they're going to reign in a certain way or teach in a certain way. So we got to spend a whole lot of money on this, uh, on this building this brand new mansion in in San Diego, because any any day now they're all going to show up at his door and they're going to need a place to stay. So um, everybody was waiting for the end of at least, if not the end of the world, at least you know the patriarchs come back would be pretty uh-huh. nice. Be pretty nice. Um, uh, that of course didn't happen. He still lived there anyway. You know, waiting, waiting. Then it was it was announced at some general assembly that has happened. The patriarchs are here, and they point out the crowd, "You are the patriarchs. You, all all the Jehovah Witnesses are the patriarchs." You know, and they're like, "That's uh, a letdown, a huge letdown." <laughs> so uh, I was hoping. I was hoping for the real thing. I was hoping for Moses to walk in here or <laughs> King David. Okay, but uh, I'm you're telling sure me I'm not Moses reincarnated. Yeah, you're telling me the guy I was sharing a bathroom with that uh, he's uh, he's. <laughs> He's the raised David. I don't like that at all. So, um, so a lot of people defected at that time, but uh, they were able to reconstitute some some of their teachings, and they they spread all their teachings through their official uh, magazine, the Watchtower. There's another one called uh, Awake, and they do have a huge distribution, like 42 million. Some it's the largest distribution list of any magazine in the world. So uh, all 42 million are actually Jehovah Witnesses or fallen away or who knows what. But they do have a wide uh, spread circulation. And you can find all these magazines, their official teachings in these magazines. Um, and then finally, 1975, I think was the last prediction. And you had people selling their houses and not putting off marriage and you know all these things because the uh, end of the world was coming. And, of course, again, it, it didn't happen again. And and uh, and thousands of Jehovah Witnesses left at that time as well. But but and they they got some new lights every every time something happens. They need to change it. They said they got new light, new inspiration from Jehovah, and that um, it was uh, they weren't going to make any more predictions anymore. But it's still coming. It's still coming. Is what yeah. they said. And I was just listening to it uh, some. New teachings that just came out, I guess, this summer, but they were teaching for like thirty some years that that if uh, you had if you didn't convert by the time the tribulation started, it was too late. You couldn't convert by that time, and so there was actually people that were kind of hoping that their loved ones would die without uh, and just go into that sleep and not not have to go through that because they couldn't convert by the time wow. by the time that they. Um, you know, if somebody was a non-believer, a non-Jehovah Witness family member, you're like, I hope they pass away and just go into that nothingness uh-huh. instead of having to live in the tribulation and the suffering of that without the ability to convert a- after that point. But I was just listening to their summer, uh, this summer 2023, and they're saying, we've got new light now. And we believe Jesus would allow people to convert if they see that all their religions and all their beliefs have fallen apart. Uh-huh. So we we hold out hope now that Jesus will, will allow them to convert after this time, which kind of gets rid of a lot of the pressure of why am I going to door to door? Just wait, yeah, wait for every all everybody's belief systems to fall apart, all their churches to fall apart, and then they'll see that we're the real ones. Yeah. Know? So um, I don't I don't know if they're foreseeing how this is going to drive down their their efforts you know there's not going to be as push uh, much to, as but it's just another another sign that um i probably marked this in the in the cult column that you know 
these doomsday prophecies that keep on changing and keep on being reinterpreted and now they're now even to this very day they're reinterpreting what has been believed for the last 30 years or so now now there's not such a big emphasis on it anymore and you can you don't have to uh get the preaching out before the tribulation you can wait till everything falls apart then go (laughs) preach people it'll be a lot easier then Wow, deathbed confession. I mean, it's not that those don't happen, and that's right. But you know, it's kind of living. Well, they were they were very much against that for a long time. The idea that a last second you can come to to Jesus. No, it's too late by then. You know, once you once you see the proof, it's too late. But now and now, but now maybe their membership are drying up, or maybe they're having difficulty keeping people. Now all of a sudden, they're uh, you know you can wait. You don't have to be in such a rush. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of ties to, um, you know, obviously they're, they're kind of like a, it's almost like Protestants branching off from Protestants in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, one, a, a big tell for us ought to be, um, you know, Christ tells us, um, you do not know the day or the hour. Yeah. So anybody, anybody that comes along, I don't care what faith background they say that says, okay, this is the end of the world, right away you can write them off. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, right. I mean, and maybe it will be, who knows? I mean, because if everybody guessed every second of every yeah. day, somebody might be right one of these days. But as soon as you say, you know for sure, mm-hmm. no, you don't. Yeah. Because we're told that you don't. Yeah. But second thought also, this is why we need church tradition, tradition to teach us truth mm-hmm. is because like you were saying, um, you know, in the Catholic Church, none of our dogmas change mm-hmm. because they can't. Either it's truth or it's not. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the funny thing with me that, you know, when so many people are out there, you know, in the old uh, the old adage, you're like, mm-hmm. uh, well, the church needs to get with the times. Well, then that mm-hmm. wouldn't make it any different than anybody else. Right, right. And that would actually um, disprove its authority. Yeah. And that's kind of what I see, you know. Um, happening here, and you go back to what you said about um, them. Well, us 144, we're good. Everybody mm-hmm. else is gonna burn. Mm-hmm. Um, not all Protestants believe this way, and I understand that, and I want to get that out there. But um, I actually, when I was teaching at TMP, I had a kid who wrote to one of the churches in Hayes. I won't say which one, mm-hmm. and I was asking them, "Do you believe, you know, since a lot of times scriptures are taken in a very literalistic sense, mm-hmm. do you believe that nobody that has been proclaimed the um, word of Christ then will go to heaven um, when they die?" Mm-hmm. and the, the, it, at least this was a secretary that answered back, so I got to say mm-hmm. that too. Um, but she she kind of went around the question, and then she said, "But in the end, yes, we believe if they haven't heard of Jesus, they will not go to heaven." Mm-hmm. And that kind of sounds just like this too. Yeah. That same Gnosticism of yeah. we're the ones in the know, you aren't, and because you're not, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's bizarre. Just a lot of things. I mean, so yeah, to put it in the, that cult column again and probably out of the protestant column because you know protestants still um they have those marks you were talking about yeah they have those marks and they they're not so anti-tradition where a lot of them celebrate christmas a lot of them celebrate easter Uh um you know uh jehovah witnesses aren't allowed to celebrate christmas easter they're not allowed to celebrate birthdays they're not allowed to vote they're not allowed to uh have any military service or allowed to uh, pledge to the flag of any country including their own and and um, which you got to give them credit for their steadfastness I guess that they they don't yeah. mind being mocked or they don't mind being it's just uh, it's like who were who were you suffering that for it's like Jesus has, yeah. hasn't asked you to do that in fact most of that is celebrating Jesus right <laughs> you know so uh, yeah. Jesus hasn't asked you to do that. So and then of course the blood transfusion is really terrible. That you know it can be a real real threat to somebody's life if they can't get a, a blood transfusion, which again is another just um, m- misinterpretation. And if you don't have the church's apostolic tradition, you know they were they, you know even in Acts they say you know don't don't um, uh, eat the eat the blood of uh, or of strangled animals. Yeah. But why somebody would would uh, would reinterpret that as I can't get a blood transfusion. Yeah. You need somebody that's been handing down the absolute tradition. No, that's obviously not what we meant. Okay. Yeah. So they have that. So, and then their high con- level of control. Well, there's, there's the mysterious people who are 
in charge of everything. Sometimes they're known, sometimes they're not known. How they're how they're put in place, how they're determined that they're put in place, and then their high level of control over how many hours they got to work. Uh, you know what they can do. What you know who can marry who, who who can get divorced from who. I was listening to them trying to figure out all the marriage laws that the church has been, you know, been asking the Holy Spirit for the last 2,000 years. They're trying to yeah. do it since the 1870s. Well, what if this person commits adultery? What if that person commits adultery? You know, can they remarry? Can that person remarry? What if we find out later that they were lying, you know, and all this all this di- difficult stuff? And it's like, wow, I wish we had, like, a teaching authority that would just <laughs> would, would give us. Make it a little easier. Yeah, <laughs> would, that we, Jesus said that he protect the teaching of it. You yeah. Know? And, um, and then, of course, there are, for somebody that grew up in in uh, Jehovah Witnesses and has no other family except Jehovah Witnesses, they do have uh, their view, version of excommunication, which is this fellowship, where you're not allowed to talk to anybody that leaves, has been disfel- uh, disfellowshipped. You're not allowed to do business with them. You're not to do. You're not supposed to say hi to them on the street. You know some some things you can't avoid. They say, but. You have to cut off all communication, which is so keeps a pressure on the people wow. inside, especially the ones that were raised there. That um, you know, I can't have any relationships with anybody. I lose everything if I am having trouble believing all this that Charles Taze Russell discovered uh, this in the Bible, and nobody else discovered it until he until he read it. You know, so. Um, so all that super high pressure and, and control and uh, secrecy, there's a lot of secrecy as well where Catholic Church, you can find how they, we elect a pope, like yeah. movies made about it, documentaries made about it. You know, it might not, we might not tell you which cardinal voted for who, uh-huh. but you know who was in the conclave and you know how many votes it took and, and things of that nature. But... Um, and there's rules published for how that's done, and there's rules published for our teachings, and and you're, there's and they don't change every conference that they have. They get new light, like throw out the old, hey, throw out those old rules, and, and we got these new ones here. So um, it takes it out of the, out of the uh, you know just another Protestant domination, and that and that high that high control. I would probably call it a cult, and that it's uh, unwavering support, you know. Unfortunately, they're not going to hear this because they're not allowed to listen to anything yeah. besides what the Watchtower teaches. Yeah. You know? so, um, so have great compassion and mercy when a Jehovah's Witness comes to your, your house. They have to do that so that they can get their place, uh, if not in 144,000, then at least on paradise earth. They have to do that. And they want to be spared from the tribulation, so they're really worried about the end of the world, that they're going to suffer during that if they're not part, you know, being an active member. And, uh, you know, bring out your own Bible if you want to talk to them. Bring out your own Bible because you can't trust their, their translation of the Bible. And there's a couple of things that they've said, ex-Jehovah Witnesses said, that really um, shook them. One was a lot of them don't even know about all these failed prophecies. It's like, hey, how many times has your religion predicted the end of the world and was wrong? Because Deuteronomy says if a false prophet, you know, if a prophet makes a prophecy that doesn't come true, he's a false prof- prophet, yeah. right? And so... You can point to that to them. It's like, listen, by your own, by, I don't think, maybe they didn't change that in Deuteronomy, but it's like, by your own Bible there, says that your, your, your people are false prophets, right? Then another one said he got challenged because somebody kept on quoting the church fathers to him about Jesus' divinity. And so he didn't have a prepared remark for that. So he started researching the church fathers, hoping to find somebody that would agree with him. Uh-huh. And he didn't find anybody till the heretic Arius oh, yeah. <laughs> in the early 300s that said Jesus isn't God, right? And because everybody else, Ignatius, you know, they're all they're all saying uh, they're all saying that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is divine. And so he was like, wait a minute, this. So either I got to believe it all fell away right away, and uh, until until my founder in the 1870s rediscovered the true meaning, or this is the actual Christian teaching that the apostles were handing on, and wow. it was only the heretics like Arius that would deny it. Yeah, and and the rest of the church came together and, and condemned them for it. 
Wow. <laughs> and this was such a great hour. Um, we have learned so much from uh, Father Joshua Worth um, on Jehovah's Witnesses, um, but I think maybe that's uh, one of the best things, too, is, uh, you know, you don't have to be a scholar. Uh, but if you're not comfortable um, asking them questions, you know, you, you can simply just just tell them, no, thank you. I, I'm Catholic. Um, I love my faith. Yep. And I, I, I couldn't ever give up um, knowing that or um, I couldn't ever give up understanding that Jesus is Lord, yeah. you know, and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, but um, yeah, um, the, the better we do at um, learning ourselves, the better we can do at having those conversations with those other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Father, any quick thoughts from you? We got about two minutes um, before we leave, and then would you leave us with your priestly blessing? Um, further thoughts is just, uh, they, again, they might have to, if they go to school with them, they might have to uh leave certain things but you know we don't want everyone to make fun of them they don't believe in crosses they think jesus died on a torture stake which is i don't know where they get that but again i think that was just a way to separate themselves they're like we're not we don't belong to that because we don't believe okay. you know so that was another way to just kind of separate themselves that we're we're not like the other christians out there and so um so but just be yeah be merciful you know we don't want to make fun of them we have to realize it's not their fault they were by, deceived by by the lies of the enemy and by darkness and and so we want to pray for their their conversion that uh, God would undo uh, any of the lies and stuff that they've done and, and show them the truth whether it be through you or th- through somebody else you don't have to put that pressure on yourself either to that it's your job to save them Jesus is the savior of the world not us yeah. so so that uh, that if we're just true to our faith and they see that joy and happiness and peace where we don't have to worry that that um, you know, if we struggle with any teachings of our church, that somehow nobody can talk to us anymore. You know, so uh, just seeing the peace that we have in our own faith, I think, is is witness enough that um, that we're secure and we're and we're safe. And whether Jesus comes back tomorrow or a thousand years, or we die in a car wreck, you know, we always want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you. And you said final final blessing, blessing please. Okay. In the name of Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless all who are listening. We ask you to protect from all attacks and enemy, both physical and spiritual. And through the intercession, blessed Mother, bring them close to your Son. May Almighty God bless all of you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. Folks, heaven is unseen, but so are these airwaves. If you can support these airwaves and help save souls for heaven— Go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. If you have a comment or an idea for a future show, you can email comments at dvmercy.com or text your comment or idea to 785-621-4110. You're listening to the Network of Stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, Pardon not your heart.